How can you sharpen your competitive edge? Learn how to land your first choice residency, take part in clinical skill building sessions, and debate emerging issues in healthcare. Join us for AMSA's fall conferences October 15th through the 16th in Puerto Rico and November 19th through the 20th in New York City. Visit amsafallconference.org to register now. Are you being taught how to help patients understand all of the overwhelming medical messaging they're getting? Welcome to the AMSA AdLib Podcast, where we'll hear from med students and experts alike. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. Though the way that medical students are taught has changed gradually over the past century, the way patients learn has lurched forward. Arguably, the modern physician's job has changed accordingly. The question is whether the physician will be ready for that job. Dr. Rishi Desai found himself on the leading edge of creating useful health information for patients and future physicians alike. Today, he's the chief medical officer of Osmosis, a learning platform for medical students, where he is one of the people outside traditional medical education helping to shape the way medical students actually learn. Dr. Desai was on a relatively traditional path as a pediatrics resident and completed a fellowship in infectious disease at Children's Hospital Los Angeles. As he thought about his career, though, traditional lab research didn't really appeal to him, even though that's often a large part of what infectious disease doctors do. Instead, he worked on a public health degree at UCLA and did some work with the public health department in Los Angeles on tuberculosis, which he enjoyed tremendously. The Centers for Disease Control was a natural next step. It was while at the CDC that he had an epiphany. And what I what I realized there is that I would, you know, by day I was kind of writing these papers and publishing them for, for the Centers for Disease Control. And each publication, each um, article would take three to six months to write up. And, um, you know, I could, I could summarize the work in five to ten minutes, you know, quite honestly. And I didn't feel like I was cheapening it you know, in any way. I was kind of summarizing it pretty, pretty accurately, I thought. He began putting up short videos on YouTube for family and friends, as he says, just for fun. Khan Academy was just becoming known at the time, and after some encouragement and with the help of a mentor, the company took him on to make medical content and agreed that he could still see patients half a day per week in clinic. That continued, that, that setup continued for four years where I would see patients half a day a week, and I loved that part of my job um, because that's what I trained for over 10 years to do. At the same time, he really enjoyed producing the educational content, too, and found himself blending the two. And I felt like it was enhancing, improving my clinic. So it's kind of like flipping my clinic, where I would teach them stuff when they were out of the office, and when they would come in, we would have a much more rich discussion, because they already knew the basics. And they could watch that video two, three times, they could share it with their family as well. Eventually, as the work at Khan Academy shifted toward K-12 students, Dr. Desai decided he would rather stick with medical education specifically and moved on to Osmosis. Osmosis is a content and learning platform. The company makes free videos that are distributed on YouTube for medical and nursing students. They also have open license questions that students can use. Their learning platform itself offers supplementary content according to where the student is in training and what they're learning in class. It also allows students to create their own educational content to share with classmates. Osmosis is looking at partnerships with hospitals to help them keep staff up to date with the latest information and training, Dr. Desai explains. Because of the medium, they can update content and information for people very quickly, which is useful for fluid health situations like Zika or other emerging threats. 
The company, founded by medical students, was poised to fill a gap in medical education when Dr. Desai joined them. Though the way medical students are taught has changed only a little in recent years, there's now far more information available online to students themselves, patients, and even practicing physicians. Information gathering and decision making were becoming a shared process. The work he was doing with osmosis fit right into that new paradigm. When it comes down to it, when I really think hard about what I do as a doctor, 95, 99% of what I do is talk. You know, I'm not not doing a procedure um, for most of my day. I'm I'm talking, and I'm talking to residents, medical students, um, but most of all, I'm talking to, to patients, right? Uh, families and explaining to them what they're really dealing with and explaining medications and explaining side effects and explaining their disease process and and then also listening and trying to understand what their questions are. So really framed differently, 99% of what I do is, is teach as a doctor. Today in the new paradigm, Dr. Desai's as being a doctor will also mean being a continuous learner and thinking about access to medical knowledge differently. It's no longer memorization. Instead, it's looking information up and passing it along as a teacher. That's becoming the dominant thing that not just me, but every medical student of, of our generation is going to have to get really good at looking up and teaching. And, and that is what an educator does. Which is not to say that we've arrived at the future. The video piece, you know, that will obviously change because as technology changes, you know, how we present content changes. Um, you know, it, if you go way back, you know, we, we, we're, we're uh, a species of stories, right? Storytellers. I mean, we, we've told stories forever. Um, and, and that has changed from kind of an oral tradition to written form to videos. And tomorrow will be, and in fact, I say tomorrow, probably in some parts of the world today, virtual reality and augmented reality. And it's just going to continue. The medium will change. So I'll use videos with that caveat. But I think that it's true that you want to make sure that you're not just teaching people a set of facts, you're teaching them how to think about their bodies. Increasingly, that's what Dr. Desai wants to do with his patients, too. I want them to understand how I think through their problems, how I understand information, how I organize it, and, and therefore what I think is important, what we should ignore. And so that is the skill I want to try to teach them. Not knowing every fact about a condition shouldn't be a barrier for a patient or physician with all of the informational tools available, he says. In fact, missing that journey together is a lost opportunity. What would be even better is to say, hey, you know, I don't know the facts, nor do you, nor does anyone, but, but we have these awesome tools. Let's use these tools together. And, and in doing so, I think then you empower people to kind of understand how they should be thinking about their body and in really giving them a chance to get an honest um, uh, look at, at how you uh, break down a problem. And that's what I try to do. And the videos are part of that because, you know, you need to understand the language of medicine to have a conversation. And the videos are just that. They, they give you a chance to understand a framework. And then we say, okay, how does this apply to you? Of course, patients are swimming in information about health. But one significant breakdown is the quality or even brevity of the health information that's already out there for patients. Dr. Desai says these oversimplified sound bites only lead to confusion. You know, that's not what four years of medical school is like. So we're, we're communicating in one way to our future nurses and doctors and in a completely different way to patients in a way that 
it so oversimplifies things that patients don't really understand exactly what's happening. It couldn't explain it back to you. And I think that there is a way to explain medical information that's complex in a way that, that doesn't cheapen the message. And, and that's another big part of what we try to do. For medical students themselves, he hopes his work will simplify the medical knowledge component so that more important parts of training can shine through. Even in his own training, he felt that medical education was a bit of a machine that students were put through. And what I want to do is, as best as I can in my, in my one like, little way, be part of trying to make that machine feel less machine-like and a little bit more human. This has become very personal for him as he has sought a pediatrician for his own family. You know, I'm a pediatrician, and yet I want a pediatrician. Of course I do, because I, I want someone who I can go to to, to help me out and, and really problem-solve because there's nothing I care about more than the health of my, my wife and my son. And that's not somebody that knows all the facts. That's somebody that's going to, you know, probably talk me off a cliff if I think something crazy is happening. Uh, or, or the opposite, you know, convince me that we need to do something if I feel otherwise. So I want someone that's got a good head on their shoulders and can communicate with me and respect me. And those skills are, are the skills that I think everybody wants. You know, I think everybody wants a physician who is a good listener and who's em- empathetic and can relate on a, on a human level. And we don't teach in that way. We teach in a way that, like I said, churns out med students like a factory might churn out meat. In a way, learning medicine, especially the didactic parts, he says, is like learning another language. There are certain words that have meaning, and there is a certain set of basic facts and knowledge. And he says there are great technologies for teaching languages, and they think they have a tool to do so. But, but that's not the full story. You know, that's not the human part. Once we teach the basics of that language, we think it's the onus is on medical schools to to transform their curricula to teach in a way that humanizes. And and I think it's possible. I think you can actually, you know, um, get the didactic learning down, do do the space repetition, do all the learning science that we know works for learning language, and then actually use the in class time to have a much more human experience. And Again, I, I believe that if you, you train people in that way, then they come out as, as more empathetic, more, more um, in line with what society wants. And that's the ultimate kind of mission, uh, I think, that, that I have as, as uh, an individual as part of this, um, this team, but also kind of the, the overall mission of, I think, where society wants our doctors to, to be uh, in the next generation. AMSA Adler was brought to you by the American Medical Student Association. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. This episode was produced by Pete Thompson and myself. Special thanks to Rebecca Apple for arranging and conducting our interview with Dr. Desai. Joshua Caulfield is the show's executive producer, and Dr. Kelly Tibbert is AMSA's national president. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you for listening. Not sure what to expect or how to navigate the interview process? Want to make sure your personal statement hits the mark? AMSA's new program, Applied Match Preparation, or AMP, has been created just for you. Get personalized, one-on-one assistance from a team of experts and get ready to shine during the application process. Visit amsa.org slash amsa-amp to get started today.